This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U Mobile. 5G now with you. I'm Wong Xiaoning and this is The Breakfast Grill. The fintech space in Malaysia has become extremely competitive with at least 60 players in just the payment space. And at last count, there are as many as 300 fintech companies fighting for the eyeballs of 33 million Malaysians. And as more and more fintech players emerge, will one of the earliest players, GHL Systems, innovate to continue to deliver the solutions that customers want? whilst maintaining high levels of cyber security. To answer this question and more, we have in the studio, Sean Hash, Group CEO. Thanks for coming on the show again. Good morning, Shaoning. Thank Good. you for having me. Now, let's start with some of these new initiatives that GHL has embarked on. In March, it was digital lending services for its merchants. It was rolled out after approval from the Ministry of Housing and Local Government. So a platform that makes microfinancing accessible, especially to the underserved. Let's get an update on this. You know, what's the size of the book now? Uh, so uh, let me go back to uh, the beginning. We launched this product on April 15th uh, in partnership with one of our local partners, CTOS, and we're using a platform that's been designed by CTOS, helping us in uh, the lending aspect. Uh, we're not lenders by nature. Mm. So this is the first time we're kind of dipping our toes in the lending uh, arena. Is and the water cold or hot? I, it's actually very good. It's just right. Just right. It's just mm. right. Uh, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll be, you'll be surprised to hear. We've done fairly well. We have uh, put out about 200 loans so far. We're doing it very carefully and meticulously just to make sure that uh, – uh, we don't get ourselves in trouble. We're mm. loaning on balance sheet, so we got to make sure that we understand who we're loaning uh, to. Uh, the beauty of what we're doing right now is the fact that we're only loaning to our cl- lending to our mm. clients that are uh, existing merchant of ours. So we know their throughput throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, and every night, based on their settlement amount, we take piece back towards loan repayment. Okay, so let's be clear. It's actually not, in a way, B to C, right? It's more B to B because it's you're B2B. lending just to your merchants, Absolutely right? Absolutely correct. So you say 200 loans. How much? Give it's me a value to that. Average loan size is uh, 50,000 ringgit. Okay. And we have a minimum of 10,000, maximum of 100,000. All right. So, you know, but isn't this space extremely competitive? Because the Ministry of Housing and Local Government, they approved eight companies for digital lending. But names I also see include Exeada Digital, Big Pay, which is, of course, Capital A. So what's your differentiating factor? So uh, the beauty of it is we are going to these merchants on a pre-approved basis. We know the merchants are already our clients. We've got uh, across the region, as you know, over 400,000 touch points. In Malaysia, we've got about 170,000 touch points. We can go to these touch points and based on existing transaction throughput, pre-approve them for a loan. Uh, depending on their need. So it reduces the amount of paperwork, it speeds up the approval process, Mm -hmm. and we can fund you within days as opposed to weeks or months. And so far, has anybody defaulted? Been late on their payments? Late, maybe. Default, no. Okay. And why is that so? Is it 
due to the strong credit checks and scoring system? I suppose that's where CTOS comes in. That's where CTOS comes in. And that's also where, uh, like I said, these are our existing merchants. We've got a fairly tight credit criteria right now Mm. because we want to kind of learn our way through this business. So uh, uh, we've done uh, very well, I would say. Okay. What kind of margins are you making? Because you're charging, what, 18% upwards? Uh, No, we're not charging a lot less. Yeah, we're charging a lot less than that, actually. Can you give us some gauge? Like, what is the range? It's public. I mean, uh, it's uh, right around 11% is our uh, interest rate we charge. Okay, but, you know, I haven't even touched the other competitors, which are not within this Ministry of Housing and Local Government. The likes of Touch & Go, they've also launched their own digital micro-lending, Go Pinjam, which is a JV with CIMB Bank. I mean, they're one of the largest e-wallet players in Malaysia. Are they your real competition? Because merchants can just go and borrow from them also. They could, except for the fact that we have made the process so seamless. uh, and so Touch & Go also claims the same thing? Correct, correct. So the market will decide which is a better... And by the way, there is room for all of us to play. The pie is quite big. The SME numbers in Malaysia are very large. And I think there is room for multiple parties to play in this space. So what kind of contribution uh, towards revenue do you see this actually making towards GHL? You know, right now, this is a very small uh, experimental game for us, to be honest with you. Uh, We will be looking at next year to be our growth year as we launch uh, the same product in the Philippines, as Mm. we launch the same product in Thailand. And then we've got to kind of figure out what we should set our own targets. And we're in the process of doing that. We're in our planning cycle right now. So I can't give you... Okay, because your revenue is 360 million last year, right? Correct. That's quite sizable. So it's not going to be big initially, but Mm. it'll gradually grow to be a big part of our business. It is going to be one of the fastest growing parts of our business over the next three to five years, I think. Okay, and another new venture is, of course, buy now, pay later, right? With a partnership on a partnership basis. And I also see on your own. Uh, tell me the thinking behind starting such a, a venture. Is this all a means to improve margin? Because 11% lending is not bad margins. Buy now, pay later, another set of margins. So buy now, pay later, there's a, a bit of misconception about what we're trying to do. So we have all these buy now, pay later partnerships across the region with multiple buy now, mm. pay later providers like Atome and Hula and uh, Grab and so forth. That's an aspect that we will continue to grow in terms of our partnerships and we will look to other new entrants in the market because, again, our touch points, our last mile connectivity to these touch points is what's of value to us. So you're facilitating the transaction, We're facilitating a transaction and we're collecting a fee for that Mm. facilitation. Now, we announced uh, about two, three months ago now, I think, a partnership with a company out of uh, Singapore called Abler. And I think that's what you're referring to. Abler is a buy now, pay later platform provider. Mm. What we are looking to do is, interestingly enough, not a B2C buy now, pay later, but yet again, B2B buy now, pay later. And by that, I mean, again, we've got a large number of merchants, both buyers and sellers. And if we can facilitate for a, let's say, a small SME, a restaurateur that wants to update their kitchen, but they don't have necessarily the funds, if I can give them a short-term fund, buy now whatever you need to buy, whether it's supplies, whether it's kitchen Mm -hmm. equipment, and pay later, four months, over the next four months, that's what we're hoping to be able to facilitate. Okay. 
But Bank Negara Malaysia is working with relevant agencies to address concerns that these buy-now-pay-later schemes may prompt consumers to spend beyond what they can afford, right? So that's something that's happening ongoing. So are you comfortable with your role in this? Because, you know, are you encouraging consumers to take on more debt than they shouldn't? Again, keep in mind, we're not offering this to consumers. We're offering this to businesses. doesn't matter, merchants, consumers, you're facilitating the process. I actually think regulation in this case is very good. Mm. We're a company that prides ourselves in doing ethical business, uh, and we don't think that this will be an uh, encumbersome um, set of regulations on us in light of what we're hoping to achieve through So this. my question is, why not wait till Bank Nagara actually issues these definitive guidelines, right? I think by the Won't time... Won't that make more sense? I think wait? by the time we're ready to roll this out, which would be the second half of next year, we will be much mm. closer to those regulations anyways. Okay. So let's talk about the other thing that's on sure. many Malaysian minds, cybersecurity. And sure. what I found out is that we are the 11th most breached country in the world in the second quarter. And this is according to a study conducted by a cybersecurity company. And I think that's a worrying trend. And even recently, Bank Nagara... Uh, instructed IPay88 to beef up its systems. IPay88 being one of your friendly competitors. So I want to know, what assurances can you give us that GHL will not have such breaches? Giving an assurance is very difficult, but I can assure you that we're working to protect our systems on a daily basis. That assurance I can give you. We've got a huge budget over the next three years uh, slated towards improving our platforms, our the systems, protecting and migrating them from physical data centers to uh, cloud data centers and using the latest and the greatest technology in cybersecurity. We're also rolling out security across the organization on our desktops and our... Mm. uh, uh, So that, I believe, will address a lot of the concerns that you're referring to and what has happened with IP88. Unfortunately, again, uh, what happened to IP88 is very big event for the industry. And as industry participants, it's upon all of us to make sure that we secure the platforms as best as we can. It doesn't doesn't mean it'll never happen, sadly. Yeah, but there's also questions about data leakages, right? Is that where the vulnerability really is? You know, and I guess it depends on what you mean by data leakages, right? Uh, My credit card details, for example. Absolutely. I mean, that if... If your credit card details are not being masked, if they're being stored in a... Mm. uh, They they shouldn't be stored, by the way. We are, as uh, participants in the credit card industry, we're all PCI DSS certified and qualified. And depending on the size of the portfolio that you own and you manage, those uh, PCI DSS uh, certifications get done on on an annual basis. Which is a form of a security... Which is a form of a security sort of... Standard standard and checking by mm. third-party external uh, third parties. So um, we are proud to say we're PCI DSS Level 1 certified, so it's uh, we're in good shape. But again, we can't sit um, idly and not uh, react to unfortunate events like what happened to IP88. Now, you say you're going to spend significant amounts of money, right? You, Like I say, revenue was $360 million. So I want to know, how much are you actually really going to spend a year to keep ahead of these cyber criminals? I mean, that's really how much confidence we can have in GHL, right? When sure. you look at the quantum spend. So, like, I would address it in terms of our overall spend 
on technology. Yeah. Uh, over the next uh, two years, we'll be spending in excess of 10 million uh, ringgit on our technology. Okay. On the Breakfast Grill this morning is Group CEO of GHL, Sean Hash. After the break, how are the legacy business pillars faring in a very competitive landscape with inflationary pressures? BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to The Breakfast Grill. And the hot seat is Sean Hash, Group CEO of GHL. Before the break, when will the new ventures of this payment tech solutions company start making a profit contribution? So, Sean, let's talk about the biggest contributor to earnings because I'm all about the money, right? Which is, of course, Transaction Payment Acquisitions or TPA. So, everything related to card payments, mobile e-wallets, online payments. Now, this segment, I did see growth of 19% for the first half in all geographic segments, which includes Thailand, Philippines and Malaysia. Great. But are you concerned of a potential slowdown in retail spending in this environment of rising inflation and economic slowdown? Sure. Uh, Great question. Actually, uh, we feel somewhat blessed as a company. We've got a very diversified portfolio. Uh, We are not only geographically diversified, we're also uh, diversified across, uh, let's say, tier one, tier two, tier three, and tier four merchants, and then below that even. Mm. So, um, you know, where one may fall in terms of transaction volume, other rise. And uh, merchant types were also diversified. So, you know, food merchants, you'll always end up buying your groceries. And if as long as we're there, we'll capture those transactions, regard, regardless of the macroeconomic situation uh, globally. But there could be a potential where the value does drop off, right? There's no Correct. denying that, right, if there's an economic slowdown. Absolutely. So are you prepared for that? Is that at the back of your mind as you do your strategic planning for 2023? Indeed it is. And I will tell you again, I think because of our diversification and the fact that, you know, are we in luxuries, goods? Yes, mm. but we're also in essential goods. So when uh, your f- amount of uh, spendable uh, money uh, kind of gets compressed because yes. of inflationary factors, you probably won't go to the luxury goods, but you're still buying your groceries, you're still buying your petrol, mm-hmm. and that makes up for the uh, drop on the other side. Yeah, but I did also notice that margins for TPA are taking a bit of a dip, right? So they were, it was 31% in the second quarter and then 32% in one in the first quarter. It's a small dip, but in a business where volumes matter, mm-hmm. this does make a difference. So what's the reason for this margin de- uh, decline? Okay, so, uh, you know, uh, you need to look at our... Uh, uh, essentially merchant segmentation. Uh, during the COVID period, the first quarter of this year, where mm. there was still not full opening, uh, right, uh, some of our higher uh, margin merchants were still closed. Okay. And as the full opening uh, happens across our geographies, then we start benefiting from the smaller tier three, tier four merchants where we have higher margin. Tier one merchants, you know, the petrol stations and the The large supermarkets supermarkets chains, margins are very slim to start with. And those were the ones that were open during COVID. Okay. So do you expect margin compression to continue? 
You know what? I don't think on the TPA front, uh, margin compression will uh, continue. I think we're pretty stable there at, at around right, right, right between 30 to 32%. You won't dip anymore. I don't think that'll dip. Uh, I, the, we do have margin uh, pressure issues in other parts of our business, but it's definitely not the TPA. I'm proud. I mean, our TPA business is growing uh, really well. Uh, I must say, um, I just uh, we have received our own direct acquiring licenses in Philippines. Uh, now we've received it uh, already in uh, Malaysia and we got our e-commerce direct acquiring license as well mm. in Malaysia. And we have applied for and in the last stages of getting the same approval in uh, Thailand. When that happens, it'll help our margin uh, on a TPA as well, because we're now directly acquiring the merchants without the interference or partnerships with mm. any of the banks. So what we are currently paying You're going to bypass the bank. Correct. Okay, so uh, but I do think that this industry, or at least this segment you're operating in, is clearly very, very competitive, right? And a gauge of that is the merchant discount rate, which is what the merchant Correct. pays you, and it's been falling since 2018. It was close to two percent then. Now it's hovering around one percent for this quarter. You know, is this indicative of the pressures that you feel? I mean, where's the competition coming from? So in Malaysia, the merchant discount rate is actually, the, I should say, interchange rates mm. are regulated uh, by Bank Negara. And as such, uh, the merchant discount rates tend to be fairly low. In other markets like the Philippines and Thailand, where we've got big market share, there is no regulation as such. And we can essentially charge and we can compete uh, heavily. Mind you, the opportunity for a TPA in this region is really not about what we currently have, but the uh, sort of the runway ahead of us. 75 to 80% of the transactions in Malaysia itself and about 70% um, in Southeast Asia are still cash-based. That's what I'm fighting for. I'm not fighting for what I have or what I'm competing with with another uh, it's provider. It's the market. It's untapped market. It's the cash transactions that are out there that I can capture and I can convert. And by the way, the governments across all of these markets are helping us capture that by forcing digitization, by encouraging consumer use mm. of digital wallets and mobile wallets and so forth. So, so you're not bothered by what um, iPay88 or Razor, which are probably your closest competitors, are doing? Because from what I see, this service has become more commoditized over time. So isn't it just a fight in a way for, even if it's the untapped market, it's a fight for market share? It's fight for market share, but again, I'm unfazed by uh, that competition in light of the fact that we have got an extensive network of payment types that we support on our, for our merchants. Uh, if you look at our heat map of what payment types we offer, it is unlike bar none anyone else in the market. Mm. What we support, whether it's in terms of uh, uh, alternative payment networks, wallets, buy now, pay laters, credit card types, and we continue to invest and we continue to grow, grow that heat map. That's what's going to win us market share. We go to a merchant, you sign up with GHL, you will get access to this wide network of payment types. And that's, I think, the differentiating factor. Okay, so it's not about a, a price war that you're trying to, to start. It is about price war, but I will offset the price war by my capability. 
Okay. So it's other services, ancillary services that you Correct. provide to now make back the margin. Now I can also offer loans, uh, you know, and mm. that, that is yet another capability that I can take to the same SME. So uh, I, I think it's that, those are what's differentiating GHL from our competitors. Okay, let's talk about the other pillar, shared services. Now, revenue did decline 8% year on year in the second quarter to $30 million, But what's what I did notice was margin compression again, another 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 round of margin compression, driven down by the downtrend of ASPs, rental rates and higher depreciation charges. Now, is this trend reversible? I don't think the trend is re- reversible, but I think we are reaching the bottom of that uh, sort of uh, reduction at this point. Um, there has been a trend in the industry to migrate from the older terminals yes. to the new Android-based terminals. Android-based terminals are much cheaper and the rental rates are much lower, so that has impacted our uh, um, margins. There's also been a pullout of terminals by our bank partners from merchants that have closed during COVID and have never come back. Mm. So that has also impacted our bottom line. But I think, again, if you take that, I mean, if you look at the reasoning behind it, it's explainable why we have experienced the margin drop. And I think we're now reaching the bottom of that uh, sort of drop, and we're going to probably settle where we are. um, And I don't think it'll drop much further than this year. Okay, I do want to understand though why your stock is so unloved, Sean. It's down sixty <laughs> percent on a year-to-date basis, while the FBM KLCI is down nine percent. And even if I compare it with the Bursa Technology Index, that's down thirty-eight percent. So you're still JHL is still underperforming. Why do you think so? I mean, I I know first half numbers were below expectations, but is the market wrong? Uh, I think uh, our stock price is sort of the victim of the overall global macroeconomic conditions and the drop in the stock market that's been happening across but the But more so. But more so fair. That's a fair statement. Uh, listen, I, I can't tell you what the uh, participants in the market, those buying our shares, uh, I can tell you I've spoken to our institutional investors and they're pleased with our roadmap. They're pleased with where we're taking the business and they have confidence in the mm. management's ability to deliver. So, so um, it's nothing to do with their valuations because it's not cheap. I'm yeah. looking at a forward price earnings ratio of at least 30 times. Would you say that's expensive for a payment tech company? Uh not for one with our capabilities that we're building and not for one with the heat map that we have. I think we're uh, we're right. But could it be because GHL has a lazy balance sheet? I mean, you have net cash of $116 million and yet no dividends. Sean, don't you want to share something with the minorities? Uh, we have a very strong balance sheet. We're using some of that balance sheet for our lending business, as I shared with you earlier. Mm. We're also looking at potential opportunities uh, in our markets as well as uh, additional geographies. So we're keeping our balance sheet intact for opportunities to come up and uh, we'll continue to evaluate that. It's a topic that's been raised uh, previously by yourself. Yeah. And, uh, and you're still not sharing, <laughs> right? Not for this moment. I'm not committing to anything. Absolutely not. On that note, thank you for your time. On the Breakfast Grill was Sean Hash, Group CEO of GHL. I'm Wong Xiaoning, BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill is brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.